Hey everyone, I'm Haley Bloom-Peterson, and this is Our Stories, Our Health. I am back talking to Dr. Hannah Lixon once again. Hey Hannah, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. I am seeing more patients that is seeing, I'm, I'm telemedicine seeing and talking to more patients, which makes me feel really good. Uh, so it's been, it's been a busier week in clinic and that makes it a good week for me. Are most of the cases that you're seeing, um, COVID related or are they just kind of your general normal primary care stuff? It's been a mix because I do three very different types of shifts, I guess you could say. So I see my own patients and most of those appointments are not COVID related. That's you know, following up with my patients who have chronic health needs or are just checking in. Uh, I also am doing visits with people who have been recently hospitalized for COVID and have been discharged home within the past day. So we're making sure that we check in with everybody in our system who was hospitalized within 24 to 48 hours to make sure they're doing okay and have everything they need. So I'm doing some of those visits. And then I'm also doing some just general on telemedicine, urgent care types of visits, which really run the gamut. So for people who normally would be going into their doctor or to an urgent care uh, and can't get a, a video visit set up with their own doctor, uh, we're all pitching in to just do some of that for whoever needs it, whenever they need it. And so some of that has been COVID symptoms, uh, but some of it's also the regular stuff that happens gotcha. to everybody. <laughs> so when you have these um, these telemedicine visits, are you noticing any sort of um, like technological barriers or are people kind of getting used to the idea of telemedicine pretty quickly? That's a, that's a great question. It, the people that I'm talking to have been able to overcome whatever barriers there are. The, you know, we are using one platform in my group, and I know throughout the Twin Cities, people are using various platforms for doing these telemedicine visits. One of the big issues, which is now fortunately resolved, has been how Medicare and other insurance companies are reimbursing for visits because for a while mm. they were only reimbursing us as care providers for video visits and not for telephone visits. And that was a huge barrier for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, people who don't have good internet, people who don't have a smartphone that can do video or can accommodate whatever uh, software is needed for people who are not technically savvy or not comfortable doing a video visit. So that was a huge barrier. Now we're able to do phone visits, uh, which makes that a little bit easier. Great. So we are seeing increasing hospitalizations across the state, um, and that's changing, potentially changing your work. Yeah. So as we kind of expected, as we are testing more people, we've seen more cases. What I don't think we were quite anticipating, though, though maybe the modeling did, uh, is how many more people we're seeing be so sick that they need to be in the hospital. And that's not just because we're testing more. That's because the numbers are actually rising. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we're, we're 
moving along in our our surge planning as as we keep calling it. Uh, and so within my system, within health partners, they asked early on who would be able uh, and willing to volunteer to go into the hospital if they needed extra staffing there. And I, I put my name in as as being willing, even though I, I work entirely in a clinic at this point. Uh, and so I found out that I'm going to be in the first wave of doctors to go help out at the hospital wow. uh, probably this summer. So uh, yeah. <laughs> what kind of training do you think you'll need to move into a hospital setting? So, you know, part of the reason that I imagine I was chosen for this first wave is I'm not long out of my training. So I have been in practice for five years, which means that for the five years ago, I spent four years working in a hospital. And so I am not far removed from the day-to-day life of caring for hospitalized patients. Uh, That said, health partners, uh, a a team of of hospital medicine experts and educators put together a fantastic uh, group of kind of educational materials for those of us going back into the hospital. So so relearning the ins and outs of the electronic medical record, the protocols, how things work, uh, refreshers and updates on uh, protocols for caring for people with common conditions, you know, certainly updates in how we are currently managing people with COVID because the guidelines change pretty frequently on, on many things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, the goal is to make sure we are all up to date on kind of how we should be doing things. We call it best practices. Right. I suppose also one of the sort of maybe silver linings to it is that you as a medical professional in the age of COVID have had to stay pretty up to date on COVID related things just in general to do your work. So there's not necessarily the same learning curve there maybe would be for someone coming from retirement or something like that. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, you know, I know the information as, as soon as it's out there. And, and again, our, our system has been really good about doing regular briefings and educational outreach on new guidelines as we get them. So uh, the other thing is, is we know that older folks are at higher risk. And so, you know, it is by all the data safer for me to be caring for Mm -hmm. patients in the hospital than someone who retired a couple years ago and is 68 years old. So, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play. Thinking about information. You're getting briefings from your clinic. You're, I'm assuming, reading up on, you know, medical journals. Where are some of the places that you get most of your information, just in case anyone listening is interested in kind of doing a deeper dive into something? So it really depends on what kind of information I'm looking for. When I'm looking for, you know, treatment protocols, a lot of that is dictated by, you know, the hospital or the clinic system where I'm working. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is, that is driven by the evidence. So the people creating those protocols are sifting through all of the medical literature in order to uh, get the protocols as up to date as possible. When I look for population level data, I, I turn mostly to the Minnesota Department of Health website. I think they've done a great job of updating 
data regularly and being really transparent and clear in how they communicate the trends that we're seeing. So Mm -hmm. I find that really helpful. And then, yeah, sometimes I do go directly to the medical literature, you know, the medical journals like New England Journal of Medicine or JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, and the American um, Academy of Pediatrics journal is called Pediatrics, uh, to look for the up-to-date research on what kind of leaders in the field are doing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data out there, and there's a lot of information that spreads quickly through social media. And some of that is good information. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of it is less reputable. And I think the longer we live in the COVID world, the more we're able to turn to trusted resources for information. When the outbreak first started, I relied more on social media because we really didn't have any (laughs) organized approach, the the systems that I normally trust hadn't had enough time to, you know, do the research and form a response and form those documents. Uh, And so there was a lot of direct physician to physician, nurse to nurse communication happening uh, through social media, which was great. But I think we're now to the point that our more trusted and reliable forms of communication and education are available again. Well, I'll be interested to hear more about this training process or orientation process and um, as you potentially move into a hospital setting. But for now, thanks so much for chatting with me again, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Haley. Take care of yourself till then. You too. Goodbye. Bye. We know it's hard to stay up to date on all that's happening around COVID-19, but we're here to make that a little bit easier. Our Stories, Our Health is committed to bringing you timely, science-based information through all of our information channels. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OurHealthMN. That's O-U-R-H-E-A-L-T-H-M-N. Or head to our website for the latest stories and resources, OurStoriesOurHealth.org. We get through this together. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and we'll help to flatten the curve.